talk to you this morning about reflection. Reflection. Have you ever taken a moment to get away by yourself and just think about things? Some people, sometimes in our lives, it's an awful difficult process. Because the quieter it gets, the less distraction, the less distractions that there are, the more we start to see the things in us that we need to change or that we need to work on. As difficult as that process is, as painful as it can be, the end result, the outcome of it, the reward of doing that difficult work is invaluable. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 6, we'll do verses 41 through 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own or your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. I know how difficult it is to look at myself in the mirror when I wake up in the morning and my hair, what little I have, is going in all 50 different directions. My eyes, I look like I've been knocked out. My eyes are puffy because I never get enough sleep, you know. My wife keeps me up all night long, kicking me because I'm snoring. She won't let me just sleep. And I know how difficult it is to have to face this every morning. But when I wet my hair and at least get all 25 pieces of it that's on top of my head in its proper place, I know I'm at least halfway presentable. But have you ever gone throughout the day? L.A., do you check your makeup throughout the day? Make sure, yeah, make sure everything's where it needs to be. Do you, there's time, all throughout the day, there are times that we look at ourselves in the mirror to make sure that things are where they are supposed to be. Now, last week we read where James said we must be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Now, I want to relate that to the message this morning. There are many people who will read the Bible, like maybe one time, or they might listen to one or two Bible verses that they really like, you know, that deals with the sin that they don't, that they don't like but they never quote the ones that deal with the sin that they do like, but that's another story for another day. But they take those verses out of context, and they don't apply the whole of Scripture to their life, just the things that line up with their thinking. In other words, they, they are willing to look into the things that they feel they do a good job at, but they do not want to see the things or the problems that are within themselves, so they try to hide that or mask that. Now, James said, it is like a man who looks into a mirror and sees himself and then goes away and forgets what he just saw. You know, it'd be a shame. It'd be actually be an absolute tragedy, a travesty for the church to go out into the world and act as if we are perfect, and we have it all together, and we don't have things that 
need some attention from time to time. And what a shame it would be if we went out into the world and gave them this false idea that when you become a Christian, you become an angry, grumpy, judgmental old biddy. Am I allowed to say that word? I did. It's too late now, Tyler. When James said to be a hearer or, or to be a doer and not just a hearer, what he has in mind is what Jesus just said to us. Before you go trying to deal with the speck that is in your brother's eye, deal with the beam that is in your own. Now think about it. You have to look really hard, really hard for me to find that speck that is in Elijah's eye. I've really got to search intently to find that. Have you ever gotten something in your eye before? Have you ever gotten something in your eye? It looks like an absolute log. If you get a piece of wood or something, I mean, it, it blocks your whole line of vision. Just one little speck. How is it that you can ignore that when it's not only right in your face, it irritating you and causing you problems, making your eye water, and the more you rub it, the worse it gets, right? But you ignore that and instead choose to focus on this minute problem. Now, again, these are not calculations that Jesus is making saying that there's a huge log in your eye and a tiny little problem in someone else's. What he's saying is, how dare you complain about someone else's problem when you've got one of your own? Here's a little, uh, a little saying, a little quip to use. When you point your finger at someone else, now I hate to disappoint the flat earthers, but when you point your finger at someone else, your finger is pointing straight ahead and it goes all the way around the world and it comes back and pokes you right in the back. So before you point your finger at someone else, point it at you. As a matter of fact, before you want to point out that problem in someone else's eye, poke your own eye. Do you like being poked in the eye? Do you like when some? Have you ever had that test done? I guess all of you had if you've gone to school. They're like, oh, we're going to check out your eyes. So they shoot this like solar ray right into your eyeball, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You're going to dilate your pupils? Is that what it's called? Or as I like to call it, some kind of like ancient torture? And then they're like, now be really still. We're going to shoot this tornado gust of wind in your eye, but don't move. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to punch you in the stomach, but don't, don't hiccup or anything, you know. No one likes to be prodded or poked in their eyes. Now they say the eye is the gateway to the mind because it's everything you see and perceive through your sight. Think about this. The one who made your human fleshly form chooses to use the context of the eye to talk to you about not being judgmental. Why is that? Why is that? We all know how easy it is to get our eyes irritated and we don't like to be touched or you certainly don't want your child reaching up and poking you in the eye. You ever been poked in the eye when you didn't expect it? 
You ever had that happen where it's, it's, it's accidental, someone reaches for something, they poke you in the eye. If you know it's coming, you can close your eye, right? And then you can kind of tilt your head, but when you don't know what's coming and it pokes you. Jesus uses this context when he's talking to his disciples about how they should treat other people. And he says, quit worrying about what is in someone else's eye when you've got something in your own. I don't know if this video is going to play or not. I'm going to try it. Cross your fingers. It's off YouTube, so if something bad pops up, I apologize. Is he going to play? Yes. Watch this, watch this. This way it gets better. There we go. Now tell me, is that not exactly what we do? We love to look at faults and flaws in others. But boy, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want anybody seeing or saying anything about me. Paul writes to the Romans and says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you? Why, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. In other words, quit worrying about everybody else because you've got more than enough to take care of with yourself. Now that is, as the old preachers would say, that's some good gospel advice. Don't worry about anybody else. Do you know what consumes the majority of your thought life? Everybody else's problems. Do you know what consumes the most of your thought life? You won't admit to it. You hide it. You don't want to talk about it. But when you get on social media, you get caught up in the drama. You, a believer in Jesus Christ, allowing the news to tell you how to think or feel, allowing someone else's problem or struggle that they're going through, you're using that as some way of making yourself feel better. Think about the bear in that video. He's just going along with everything's great in his life. He's stepping on top of who knows what and who cares. He, does, he is completely free, free-spirited. But the second he sees that reflection, he sees another bear, and he wants to attack it. Because he didn't like what he saw. Now, when I look at the mirror, sometimes I want to attack it, but it's not because I'm like, think it's a, some th kind of a threat necessarily, although I do look scary. I don't like what I see. But I need to look anyway. Before, before you even think about saying something about anybody else, you should first look at yourself. Look at yourself. I guarantee you that the second you think that there is nothing that needs to be fixed in your life, if you look in the mirror, you're going to find it. Now we talked last week that the mirror last week that the mirror that I'm referring to is the Word of God. Now, I want to deal with something this morning, and I hope we can put this to rest. Or at least we can say we have dealt with this, and now going forward, we can just reference back to this message if we need to. Accusers. Accusers. What is an accuser. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you or accused you? 
She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. When Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, he's saying, neither do I accuse you. The word accuse means to slander, one who is prone to slander. Do you, you know what slander is? It's to talk bad about someone else for the purpose of trying to make them look bad. I don't necessarily need you to tell me about my bad. I know what my bad is. I don't need to go around and tell you all about your bad. Now, as a pastor, I'm telling you right now about your bad. But I'm talking to me and you, all of us in this room. And this is not me talking about Everett's specific bad. This is me talking in a very general term about what we should and should not do as believers. And where this is really going to take a real sharp left turn is it's not going to be what you think it is that we should be doing. Or hopefully it is what you think we should be doing. But I'd say it's probably going to be beneficial to all of us. These people who came to judge this woman who was caught in the act of adultery did so because they felt they were better than her and they were able to pass condemnation on her because of what she had done, because she was bad. Any of you in this room bad? Oh, let me rephrase that question. Is there anybody in this room that's good? Are there any good people? When I say good, I don't mean good, I mean perfect. Anybody here that's perfect? Okay. Anybody in here that isn't perfect? Good, 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 good. So, since you're not perfect, then you have no right to point out the imperfection in someone else. Uh, but brother, brother, the Bible said, no, 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 no. Honey, the Bible says what I'm about to tell you it says here. The Bible gives you no right, no permission, no opportunity, and certainly not a requirement to go about judging your neighbor. The Bible does not give you a right, a reason, and certainly not the authority to go around and talk bad about everybody that you don't like. And you know I'm not wrong when I say this. You will pass judgment on the people you don't like, but you will love the ones that you like and give them a, a clean slate, even though they've done worse than what the person you don't like does. Now, worse than that is the time that you spent talking about someone else and what they've done, you could have been talking to them about Jesus and what he's done. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's right, brother. That's right, brother. He told them, don't you sin no more. You better get your life right. And I'm going to just go ahead and dismiss service and let everybody go home because none of us are going to be able to follow through with the rest of this message if that is the modus operandi of the Christian faith. You know why you're here this morning? Because the Holy Spirit wants you to be here so that you can hear the message that you need to be able to go out and be what God wants you to be in this world that you live in. It's not a time for us to come and cluster together and complain and gripe and holler about how bad the world is. This is an opportunity for us to look in the mirror and to see the error of our own ways. And maybe if we would spend as much time focusing on ourselves that we do on everyone else, we might actually be able to accomplish something for the kingdom in our lives. The word accuse means to side with the devil, to side with 
the devil or to be in agreement with what the devil says. This is an actual biblical definition. This is not me surmising this. This is an actual biblical doctrinal definition of what an accuser is, one who sides with the devil. And what does that mean? Jesus said, you were doing the works that your father did. They said to him, we, have not bo- we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Let me give you some context of what's going on here. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and he's telling them, you don't know the father. Because if you knew the father, you would know me. And they say to him, we're not bastards. We know who our daddy is. Because of Jesus' mother's situation, when she had him, everybody knew about it. So they had already passed judgment on Jesus based on circumstances that they knew nothing about. (laughs) We could close the book right there. Sometimes you're passing judgment on people that are in circumstances you know nothing about. Your pastor was a 15-year-old father. Passed judgment on. Many did. My life has been far from perfect. So is yours. And if we ever come together in agreement about that, oh, what a beautiful family this can be. But sometimes the situations in life have a way of working out for good in that person's walk with the Lord. Anybody here a testimony that God can take an impossible situation and work it out for your good? We just cut a podcast with Tony Trailer. We're going to cut another one as soon as we can where he can talk a little bit more about his experiences and what God has done in his life. Y'all know Tony. Look at what God's done. How do you know that that person that you're so quick to pass judgment on and talk about and slander How do you know that God's not going to turn things around in their life and take even that situation and work it out for the good? You don't. That's why you need to be quiet. Well, you need to be quiet in terms of slandering. But you should be very vocal about what he's capable of doing in their life. Now, Jesus says, If God were your father, you would love me. That's not a cry for attention. What he's saying there is, I'm your Savior. I'm the one who's going to die for you. You would love me if you knew the Father. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And what was the purpose of, of God sending his Son to the earth? What does it say? God sent not his God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not pray. That's, that's alcoholics, adulterers, homosexuals, liars, cheats. Uh, people who say they're Christians who aren't. He died for all of them. For God sent not his son into the world to what? Accuse the world. Condemn the world. How many times do you read Jesus walking up to somebody and saying, E, you're nasty. How many times do you see Jesus saying, I'm not going to go around this guy. I'm not having anything to do with this person. But how many times do you read people saying that Jesus was accused of being a drunkard or a sinner because of who he kept company with. You read that. You read where Jesus touched the lepers. 
You just heard where and read with me where Jesus embraced the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And he did not send him for the purpose of passing judgment on everybody and being critical and slandering everybody. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I want to make this crystal clear to you. It is not your calling as a believer to condemn the sinful world. It is not your righteousness that permits you to go out and speak about the unrighteousness of another. Should you participate in the works of darkness? No, because you are children of the light. But it is not you that prevents you from committing those acts. Because if we took down the curtain this morning and all of us were honest, we would admit that there are things that have happened in our lives within the last week that we would be ashamed to report to the congregation openly. You realize that gossip is just as bad as homosexuality. And that slandering has now, by Jesus, been connected to murder. What happens when you slander another or when you condemn another person is you say there is no hope for them to be able to come to faith because I don't think so. Well, I don't want to break your little heart. You don't have that authority. You don't have that right to condemn another. James says the tongue is more dangerous than anything on earth because with the tongue, more people have been killed. Do you know why he says that? Oh, boy, pray for me, Tyler. You know why he says that? Do you realize that you have the power of life and death in your tongue? You can look at a young man and kill his spirit by what you say to him. When that woman that you think is nothing but a two-bit tramp hears you say that she is nothing but a two-bit tramp, do you know what she thinks about herself? Do you know what Jesus said to this woman who was a two-bit tramp? Where are your accusers? After he calls them out and says, you who are without sin cast the first stone. So this morning, if you are without sin, stand up and throw a stone at that one you're trying to accuse. But be careful, because you know what that stone's going to do? It's going to travel all the way around the world like your finger. And it's going to hit you right in the back of the head. And when it does, God's going to say, I told you, man. When you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, who are called to bring life and light 
into the death and the darkness of this world, when you engage in the act or the art of condemnation or accusation, you have now taken off the royal robes of righteousness that Christ has put on you and thrown them down on the ground like one of the Pharisees ready to throw a stone. And you have taken on a different mantle, a different robe, and it is not the robe that your father gave you. When Joseph got his coat of many colors, it made his brothers angry. But it was his father who gave that to him. Your father has forgiven you and has given you a coat, a new garment. He has covered you with his own son, Jesus Christ. And by his stripes you are healed. By his wounds you are forgiven. How dare you take that off and pick up that coat that old flesh, that natural man, that product of the devil, and begin to act just like the enemy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You were given the Holy Spirit when you were born again. The moment of your salvation, you were filled with the Spirit of God. And you now have the Spirit of God working in you to help you to overcome and conquer those things that have held you back. See, it isn't you and your goodness. It's not your gentleness. It's not your patience. It's not your self-control. It's His that He has given to you. So the source of the change that takes place in your life is from Him and not from you. It does not come from in here. James says what comes from in here are wars and fightings, lusts and envies. But what comes from the impartation of the Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit of God, is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what the Spirit produces in you. Do you know what I find missing from that list? Gossip and slander and condemnation. I don't find passing judgment on that list. Do you know why? Because that's not who the Father is. That's not what he's called you to do. But brother, God hates sin. I know, and I'm trying really hard to get it out of your life with this message. Because it's easy to look at everybody else, but honey, it takes a real man to look at yourself. It takes a real woman to look at yourself and to deal with you. Not only you couldn't fix the world, you can't even fix yourself. So before you go passing judgment, which you have no right to do, Jesus said so. Judge not, lest you be judged. And remember, by ju- judgment doesn't mean Nick is committing sin. I should not commit sin. Well, you've just judged him. No, you didn't. You see what's going on. It's wrong. It's something you don't want to do because the Holy Spirit leads you not to do it. That's not judgment. Judgment is this. Uh, he ain't nothing but an old punk. I knew he wasn't no count. His daddy wasn't no... Sorry, I didn't mean to get personal in my bed. You know what I'm talking about. Because you're squirming, trying to cover up the guilt that you're feeling. There is no law 
against anything that I mentioned in the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, but there is a law against condemnation. How do I know that? I just quoted it. Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. Because when you point your finger, what does your finger do? It travels all the way back around the world and you condemn yourself. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you notice how Paul is writing this? Those, number one, those who belong to Christ Jesus, number two, have crucified the flesh. Not those who have crucified the flesh belong to Christ Jesus. Because you can't crucify the flesh. And the second you think you've got your flesh under control and now you can look down at somebody else, guess what you just did? Guess what you just did? The very thing you ought not do. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step, what does that mean? You need to walk with the Holy Spirit. It's not enough for you to say, well, I'm not going to pass judgment on Gene Allen. Although I could. I mean, I'm sorry, Lord. I won't say that. That's not enough. You've got to walk with the Spirit. When Jesus saw the lepers, what did he do? Run the other way? When they brought the woman caught in the act of adultery, did Jesus go, ew, gross, don't bring her around me, nasty, nasty old hoe, I'll move around you? No. He stood right there and said, boys, you've just made the biggest mistake of your life because you are going to be immortalized in nearly every one of Jeremy Warren's sermons that he preaches. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, the Spirit's not going to tell you to stay away from that nasty Ryan Cram. The Spirit of God is going to tell you to go to him. And you can't go somewhere. I, I can't say it the way I want to say it. Whoa. You can't go somewhere that you've soiled. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now listen, you're not going to be able to change the community. People are, people, I'm, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to change the unsaved community in the sense you're not going to get them to act nice and be good and follow the will of the Lord and walk in the Spirit because they're not born again. Okay? But imagine if the church began to act like the church and to be like the church and to talk like the church and to walk like the church and act like the church and quack like, I'm sorry, I got, I got caught up in that. What if the church began to do what Jesus did and go out into the world and be what Jesus was? Imagine the amount of condemnation and gossip and slander that would be eliminated if just the church stopped doing it. I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's folks in the church that are the harshest and the meanest and the angriest and the grumpy. You know why they're so angry and grumpy? Because they have to go to church because if they don't, then it'll make them look bad in the community. But when they go to the church, they might accidentally hear something that convicts them. And they act like that bear. And they want to rip that mirror down and throw it on the ground and stomp on it. Because I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about you. Don't fix me. You need to fix all them other imperfect people out there. I've got it all figured out. And therein lies 
the great conundrum of the church. The very ones who should know better have followed right in the footsteps of their big brother, the Pharisees, because they are brothers by blood. They've never been born again. Believer, are you happy when you get caught up in gossip and slander? Do you like it? Do you like complaining about politics? Do you like complaining about the sin in the world? Oh, the sin in the world. Boy, the world's going crazy. Everything's falling apart. I remember the good old days. The good old days is why we're here. You know, sometimes when you trap a skunk, it gets loose. You know what a skunk does if it gets loose? It might spray you. But do you know what happens when you trap a skunk? and you scare it while it's in the cage, you're getting skunked. And you know what's happened? The church has skunked itself a time or two. And that's why everybody thinks it stinks. But you're not a skunk. You're a new creature. But if you emit a skunk smell, then you must be a skunk. So I encourage all of you this morning to take a look in the mirror and see if you've got some little white stripes running down your back and a little furry tail. Because you might not be what you think you are if you keep skunking everybody. You're not born of God because that's not what he calls you to do. And imagine a church that was filled with people who covered a multitude of sin with love instead of trying to expose and beat each other up and talk back. Well, you're just giving permission to sin. Now, see, honey, you're mad at me because I'm telling you to quit your sin and you want me to talk about somebody else's. See, today I'm on you. Last week I was on them, but today I'm on you and I'm not smart enough to be on you. I'm just a coon dog like my beagle and I'm on a smell right now and you couldn't pull me off of it. question do you want to be known for the complaints that you have filed against one another I'll tell you what I caught Mariah I caught Mariah this one and that one back there she's not here today I caught her I caught them I filed a complaint well good job Karen or do you want to be known for what you accomplish do you want to be one that complains or one that accomplishes? Jesus didn't call you to complain. As a matter of fact, he came in order to deliver you from that. He called you to accomplish. He said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. What are you accomplishing where God has placed you? Where did God call you? Where do you work? What are you doing? What are you doing in your home with your children? What are you doing for Christ in your marriage? What are you doing for Christ in your community? What are you doing for Christ in your church? What are you accomplishing? Not what are, not, you're not getting anywhere when you're complaining. Goodness gracious. What is accomplished by that? Well, I'm outlining the problems and somebody ought to fix them. How about you fix it yourself? And the way you can accomplish that is by fixing yourself. 
And the way you fix yourself is you look in the mirror of God's word and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm a total screw up. Fix this. Lord Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got myself in another bind. Now help me to not get this way again. And instead of internalizing your failure and trying to lash out at everybody else and complain about how bad Jason is compared to me, well, I ain't never done what he did. But you did what you did. And what you did required him to do this. When you look at the life of Jesus and you see what he did, you also see what he did not do. And what he did not do was spend his 30 plus years on this earth complaining about what people said about him, what they did to him, how bad the community was, how awful those sinful pagan Gentiles were. You didn't hear him lobbying a complaint or, or lobbying to form a, a pact to go up and get Pilate overthrown as governor. You did not hear about him doing, or Herod as governor, I'm sorry, and Pilate as as the, the overseer, he did not get involved in the affairs of this life the way that we often get involved in the affairs of this life. Instead of trying to change the world through earthly means, he came from heaven to earth to do what no human being could do. And the Bible says that there was no guile found in his mouth. Do you know what that word guile means? It means poison. And do you know what poison does? It kills. And do you know what kills? Slander kills. Not one time did Jesus ever slander another person. A brother, he called out them Pharisees, and we should be calling out them sinful Gentiles too. You have just conflated two things that mean absolute opposite things. What Jesus did is Jesus went to those who should know better and told them, you sure you want to say that? Are you sure you understand where you're coming from here? I don't think you know what that means. I don't think you mean what you think you're saying. And I don't think you're saying what you think you are. Maybe you should look in the mirror. What is the mirror? It's that. It's this. This is the mirror. When you want to attack, think about what he did. When you want to be ugly, think about what he did. When you want to get even, think about what he did. And what did he do? The only sinless one said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he showed them what they should do. So why is it that his church today so often is the exact opposite of what he showed us? You'll complain about everything else, but you won't complain about that. Because that is you.